Good morning. Today is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Yesterday we studied the passage in the Talmud that talks about the Yud Gimel Midos, the 13 attributes of God, and we talked about how the meaning of that is that we should emulate God's characteristics of mercy and compassion and kindness, and that is when Yasuoso, when we act in the way that God acts, that is when God has a promise that he will forgive us for our sins if we are forgiving and compassionate to others. So that means that we need to understand what those 13 attributes are. If we are to emulate them, we have to know what they are. Some of them are straightforward. Kale, merciful. Rachum, compassionate. Erech slow to anger. <laughs> that one by itself is just a whole course in, uh, in human behavior. If we could just bring ourselves to be a little bit slower to come to anger, how much wonderful, more wonderful the world would be. And of course, that would be, we would be so much deserving of God being slow to anger with us. All right. So we have to study each of these words or phrases and understand what they mean practically for us in order to be able to emulate them, in order to be able to be deserving of the promise that the Talmud has for emulating these traits. There's one phrase that's not immediately obvious what it means, and the phrase is, no say avon vafesha v'chata'a. Now, the word nose means lift up. Avon, pesha, and chait are three Hebrew words that are synonyms for sin. And we repeat these three words throughout the Yom Kippur prayers. If you look for them, you will find these words in their variations numerous times throughout Yom Kippur. But what do they mean? And why are they, how are they distinct? Because it's true that they are synonyms, but each word has a different connotation. Pesha is a sin that is done in order to rebel. A sin that is done out of spite. It's like driving fast past a police car just to show that your car is faster and you can go faster than him. You enjoy breaking the law. That's Pesha. Avon is a willful sin, an intentional sin, but it's done because a person enjoys the forbidden action. So, for example, a person who enjoys driving fast, they, they, they like the feeling of driving fast, even though it's not an emergency, but they like that feeling. They don't necessarily want to break the law, but they want to benefit from disregarding the law. That is an avon. Chet is an inadvertent sin, an act of negligence, without malice or desire to sin. Like, for example, driving fast because you thought the speed limit allowed it, but the actual lower speed limit sign was covered by a branch and you didn't see it. That's an example of hate. In all three cases, 
you're breaking the law. And your action is equally dangerous to yourself and others in all three cases. But from the point of view of criminal justice, each action is treated differently. One is more severe than the other. What our prayer tells us is that God lifts up our actions of avon and pesha, willful sins, and treats them like chet, like an inadvertent mistake. In other words, God looks at our actions in the most positive, favorable light and responds accordingly. If we're honest, all too often, we do just the opposite. So listen to this true story told by Joyce Newmark and be honest with yourself about how frequently this kind of scenario happens. Here's the story that Joyce tells. She says, For nearly 50 years, my father had a best friend named Al. They grew up in the same neighborhood in Brooklyn, and after returning from World War II, they each married and moved to the same New York town. They were closer than brothers. Even after my parents moved to Nevada, the two couples remained close, speaking on the phone every week or so, and visiting back and forth every couple of years. Almost 40 years ago, Al's daughter was getting married, and my parents were planning to travel to New York for the wedding. One day, the two couples were on the phone talking about the wedding. My mother had recently undergone foot surgery and was walking around in an ugly post-surgery boot. So she told Al's wife, I may have to wear blue jeans and sneakers, but we'll be there. And the response to that was, but the wedding is formal. Now, my mother was hurt. She thought the only proper response to her statement was, we don't care what you're wearing. We just want you to be there. Al's wife was hurt too. She felt that my mother had to know how stressed she was trying to plan the perfect wedding and she should not have teased her about coming in blue jeans. Neither would apologize. The phone calls became less frequent and my parents decided not to attend the wedding. Nine months later, Al was dead of lung cancer, and my father finally flew to New York to be a pallbearer at his funeral. The sins of both women were hate. They were inadvertent. They loved each other. Neither wanted to hurt the other with their comment but they both treated the other's comment like an avon or a pesha, as if it was a willful sin, as if each comment was intended to cause insult, and neither would forgive the other. 
I think if we're honest, we see this happening around us every day. I see this all the time. One of the ways that I see this now is when someone reads to me an email or a text and they read it and they supply their own tone and emphasis in order to demonstrate how, from their point of view, how accusatory or nasty the message is, when in fact the words themselves are quite neutral, maybe even positive, and could very well be understood in a neutral or positive way. But the person reading it has decided that this is something nasty and they supply the sound effects of the emphasis and the tone to support their way of understanding it. And things like that lead to enormous suffering. It leads to family and close friends not speaking to each other, relationships and communities in conflict. We have the right to hold another accountable for the things they say to us or do to us or do not say to us or do not do to us. But when we automatically assume it was willful, intended to harm, when maybe it was unintentional, we end up responding much more harshly than is warranted. And often it cycles downward from there. But if we want to follow God's model, and if we want to deserve God's forgiveness, we must emulate the opposite, like God does for us. No say avon v'fesha v'chata'ah. We should lift up what might actually be a willful or intentional sin, but lift it up so that it is only considered an unintentional, accidental sin. We should try to assume that the hurtful comment was inadvertent, or maybe we misunderstood it. Or maybe we should assume the other person was just going through something we can't even imagine. Sometimes a person has a bad day. And sometimes they say something they don't mean. That doesn't make it right, but it should make it forgivable. This phrase, no say avon v'fesha v'chata'ah, teaches us we need to try to be more like God, more like a generous friend and assume the most benign interpretation of what we hear and not the opposite. Not assuming the worst interpretation of even an ambiguous comment. And sometimes we should follow the advice that Ruth Bader Ginsburg received on her wedding day from her future mother-in-law. Dear, she said, I would like to give you some advice. And it's the secret of a happy marriage. And it's simply that every now and then it helps to be a little bit deaf. You don't have to respond to every comment. Once in a while, just let it pass.
one of my favorite songs since I was a child till today is the Beatles song, Hey Jude. Hey Jude, great song. In 1968, the Beatles put the title to their soon-to-be-released song, Hey Jude, in the front window of their record label store in London. A furious Jewish man called Paul McCartney and threatened to send his son to beat him up because the word Jude, which means Jewish in German, conjured up bad memories after the Holocaust. And this man screamed, we Jews in London have enough problems to deal with. And Paul McCartney answered him, hey, baby, let's just cool it down. It's got nothing to do with that. You'll understand when you hear the record. It's just a name and a song. And it's all cool. And that is precisely the message God wants us to get when we say this phrase, no say avon vafesha v'chata'a, and put it into practice with each other in the coming year. Do you want to be my beloved child? God asks us. Do you want to be forgiven for your mistakes and come close to me? God says it all depends on how you treat my other children. Here's how. Follow my lead. No se avon vafesha vachata, which really means God is telling us, Hey, baby, let's cool it down. It's got nothing to do with that. You'll understand when you hear the record. It's just a name and a song, and it's all cool. Assume the best, not the worst, and it's all cool. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.